Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stephon Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. And it's time for another edition of Female First, which means we are once again joined by the wonderful, the magnificent, <laughs> the fabulous Eves. <laughs> Welcome, Eves. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. And as always, happy for that very grand introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I like doing a grand introduction. And I feel like today we are... We're coming in at various energies. <laughs> We've got Samantha, who's had sort of a, a tough, annoying morning, perhaps. <laughs> it's just one of those, like, human error days where mm. I'm mad at everything, and it turns out it's my fault, so I'm even madder. Because <laughs> I can't make sense of things. So it's it's a double whammy. But it's okay, because it's Annie's birthday, that the day we're recording. So happy Yay, birthday, happy Annie. Happy birthday, Annie. Yay. Thank you, thank you, and I get to talk with you all. I, Eves and I just had a very fun conversation about the kiwi fruit and continents, <laughs> and how nice it is to have days where you can do nothing. <laughs> it was yeah. lovely. So it's been a lovely start to my birthday. Yeah. So what would you describe your energy as? Yeah. Right now, Annie, if hers is aggressively annoyed. Oh, it's it's the intersection of. Anxious and goofy, very goofy <laughs> oh. energy because I've been up and I've been trying to like get stuff done, but then I've been like, but I could watch Star Wars though. And so it's like a weird, <laughs> it's like a work day. So <laughs> trying to balance that out. And I was telling you, I, I don't get contacted by this many people often. And it's great. Like, that's it's so nice to have people that care about you or they like mm-hmm. know know you and they send you puns and gifts and all this stuff <laughs> um but it's also like every time i get a notification i'm such a anxious person i'm like something's terrible has happened <laughs> so, oh yeah so i feel I like that that kind of intersection that's where that's where i am <laughs> okay <laughs> solid place to be yeah what about you eves <laughs> um i am at once tired and also pleasant 
figure out a word for it because like I feel okay, but you know, I'm still, I'm a little, there's like some tiredness sitting in me somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. It's cool though. Cause I'm going to take a nap, you know, a nap. I think the people know that I'm here for a nap. So I love that. I love it. I love it too. I love it too. <laughs> we were just talking about how you had so many good quotes. We need to start writing down quotes <laughs> about like your your Friday and how it's like, don't take my Friday from me. Yeah, I <laughs> mean, it's that Friday. To, <laughs> to be by yourself. I love it. Yeah, yeah. This Friday for me, I'm not doing anything. So I need it for Ooh. myself. I need to be by myself. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's going to be. Nice. Yes. That is nice. It's important. It's very important. important. Yes. Well, thanks as always for taking the time to join us. I have to say, this story was fascinating, but I am very eager for you to help me understand it because I feel like there's like a lot going on in this. Yeah, (laughs) there is. So today we're talking about Lin Huiyin. And Lin Huiyin was an architect. She often, you might see her named Phyllis in certain sources because she did go by the name Phyllis at times in English-speaking company. Um, She was the first female architect in modern China. And she and her husband, Liang Shichang, they created the first systematic history of Chinese architecture. And her husband is the one who's often highlighted in conversations about this period of architecture because he's considered the father (laughs) paternalism Mm -hmm. and patriarchy (laughs) point (laughs) of, of modern architecture in China. Um, But the two of them were married. So their story is very interlinked. And I think the complexity of their story has to do with that because so many of their accomplishments were done together. And that's not done in a way of detracting from Lean's legacy because hers is part of it. It's just that Leong did a lot too. (laughs) And a lot of their work was together. So in times in the looking back at her biography in the course of their history together, she was not as recognized as he was, as often is the case. Um, But unlike other cases, in other cases we see this kind of story, it's like there is a man and the woman who did a lot of integral work in whatever their discovery or accomplishment was, they weren't related. They weren't partnered in any sort of romantic or way other than their work. So the woman's work will get buried. But in this case, it's just a matter of how things work when it came to gender, um, who gets recognized, and who's doing the writing of the history. And he did actually, they both had their own accomplishments separately and together. So that is part of Lin Huiyin's story. And her story goes back to the early 1900s because she was born in June of 1904 in Hangzhou, China. Her father was Lin Changmin, He was a scholar, an activist, and a politician. She didn't see him much when she was a young child because he was away overseas for a period. But her family was well-off and prominent, so that wasn't too big of a deal for too long because she was able to travel as well. She had access to a lot of educational resources, and her father being the prominent person that he was and the person who was interested in politics internationally and in China had a lot of privilege and resource, they were well-resourced. So she went to the Peihua Girls High School that was established by the Church of England. And when her father was overseas, she moved to Europe with him when she was in high school, and she went to St. Mary's College in London. 
Her father put a really strong emphasis on her education. So he was all about her learning and not just learning in the classroom, learning through the world, teaching her things in that way. So she was very hands-on in working with him and him raising her up to like think about her own education and what she was capable of in that way. In England, um, it's often talked about in her story, she had a brief romance with the Chinese poet Xu Jimo. That was around 1920 to 1922. And he was like seven years older than her. So there's a whole kerfuffle, like a scandal basically around the fact that he was married to <laughs> someone already when he was like, ooh, like I'm really liking Lin Huiying. And he ended up divorcing his first wife, supposedly because he wanted to be with Lin. But that ended when Lin went back to China. Her father was not having it. Her father was like, this man is married. Um, this is also not the man for you because we already have someone in mind. And that man was the person who would end up becoming her husband. And that is Leong Sichong. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. So in 1924, Lean enrolled at the University of Pennsylvania, along with her to-be husband, Leong. And his father was also a politician and a scholar, Leong Chichao. Um, so the curriculum at the University of Pennsylvania in its architecture program was based on the École de Beaux-Arts in Paris. That was a school that was associated with a style of architecture popular in France at the time. Leon got a bachelor's there and later a master's degree in architecture. 
But Lean, on the other hand, she majored in fine arts because women couldn't enroll in the architectural program there at the time. That said, she skirted the rules and found the loopholes as people who like want to bend the rules and are trying to find their way and things do. She took courses in architecture still, and she taught architectural design. So she was still able to get an education that allowed her to learn about architecture and find a career path in it. So she made good use of her time there. And she was invested in educating people in China and around the world about historic buildings in China. Lean said in a 1925 interview with the Philadelphia Public Ledger, quote, I dream of the homes I'm going to build, real homes with children and gardens, goldfish, kittens, and puppy dogs, Chinese spirit and modern strength. So you'll see a lot throughout the course of Lean and Liang's story that they were very invested in the preservation of Chinese buildings, Chinese structures, and architecture and design, and including that as things were becoming more new. There was a lot of emphasis on these international styles, and they really wanted to make sure that they were forefronting Chinese design and tradition at the same time that these new principles were coming in and co-mingling with them. But Lean had this whole other track in her story as well, I guess, where you talked about all these different things going on in the story, Annie, and one of those was also her her writing and her interest in other arts. But it all does make sense because Lean herself from an early age had an interest in the art side of things and also the technology side of things. So then it makes sense that she became interested in architecture and through her travels, she was able to see in Europe all this different architecture when she was young and gained an interest in it. And so that translated to stage design. She went to Yale University to study stage design in 1927 and was able to be involved from that way where she was still moving things around, interested in design and the way things looked and the way that sets looked. Um, so. That's what she went there for. And in 1928, she married Liang Sichang in Canada. They eventually had two children. So after the two of them, they got married, they went to visit several countries around Europe. And so they both had this interest in architecture. So it was kind of a double thing. It was a honeymoon for them, but it was also them getting to see a bunch of architectural design while they were there. So they were seeing a lot of the things that they had studied when they were in school. After their time in Europe, they went back to China and along with some other colleagues, they founded the Department of Architectural Engineering at Northeastern University in Shenyang. Liang and his colleagues also soon formed a practice with Lin being a kind of informal partner, all the other colleagues who had begun teaching there, who had they had already known, who had come over from the U.S. that they had met, were men. But... Obviously, Lean was also still very involved in this. Um, so, yeah, she was also a writer. She published poems, short stories, and plays. And Lean and Leong were educated in the Beaux-Arts system. Um, but in the early 1930s, they began regularly exploring China, looking for old wooden buildings. And they became committed to modern architecture as well. According to Harold Kalman in the article Chinese Spirit and Modern Strength, Liang Sichang, Lin Huiyin, 
and early modernist architecture in China, Liang, quote, was the more dedicated scholar, while Lin, quote, showed a greater enthusiasm for architectural design and was the more creative of the two. Um, The author also said in that article that the couple's son, quote, believed that the majority of the buildings traditionally ascribed to Liang actually came from the hand of Lin. That author also said in explaining their work that they didn't adhere to Western modernism. And for them, modernism was about a return to order, a, quote, reconciliation of Chinese tradition and Western innovation that was tempered by rational Beaux-Arts principles. So the two of them were fusing those things together. And also the way that they were working together really seemed to be in a supplementary fashion to where a lot of the history and the way that things were attributed to them may have made it seem like Leong was the one who was more so responsible for the design, but it seemed like Lean actually had a very integral hand in the design of the works that they created together. So all the while they're doing this architectural design together, By the early 1930s, Lean had also become well-known in the literary world as a poet, an essayist, and a short story writer. And she was also gathering writers and other intellectuals in these salons that she would have. It seemed to be also another thing that she liked to do. And she was a member of literary groups like the Beijing School, which was a collection of modernist writers, and in a literary society called the Crescent Moon Society. She moved to Beijing in 1930, and then Liang moved there a year after she did. And around that same time in the early 1930s, they met the American couple Wilma and John Fairbank. Um, I mentioned them because they became pretty close friends and they corresponded with each other for, you know, the rest of Liang's life, like for a really long time. And so they were pretty close and the work that they did later to uncover some of their works and share it with people was important in the preservation of their legacy too. But um, yeah, Lin and Leong would travel to these remote places. They would walk, they would go by mule, and they would go by rickshaw and all these different modes of transportation and to get to the places that they needed to get to because they were so remote. They squeezed themselves into these dirty rooms and potentially dangerous places. They talked about things like bed bugs and um, all these other hazards being in the places they would go to to find and learn more about Chinese architectures. Um, One of their most notable discoveries happened in 1937 when they dated and cataloged Foguan Se or the Temple of Buddha's Light in Shanxi province. That was built in 857 CE. So at the time, it was known the oldest known building in China. And since then, though older structures have been found, it's still considered one of the oldest surviving wooden structures in China. So I just think about them traveling to all these different places. It seems like a pretty adventurous life. Um, Not to say that adventure only means like the fun kind of adventure, Mm -hmm. um, because war was also part of their story. Japan invaded China in the Second Sino-Japanese War, which started in 1937. And that conflict 
drove them out of the big cities like Beijing and Nanjing. And they ended up moving around the country to smaller cities to escape the conflict. They moved to a village uh, after other places, but at a certain point, they moved to a village called Lijuang in southwest China. That was in 1940. And while in that village, Lin designed the only home that they ever built for themselves near Kunming. But in Lijuang, they didn't have the best experience there. And they were living near poverty. So a lot of the buildings that have been attributed to Liang, solely, Lean also had a hand in designing. One of the buildings that she helped with is a railway station in Jilin that she designed in 1928, and also a geology building and a women's dorm at Peking University. She also co-wrote Uh, the book, A History of Chinese Architecture with Liang. After the war in 1945, Liang went to the U.S. for work while Lin stayed in China with the rest of the family. And eventually she and Liang began working at Tsinghua University in Beijing, and they designed the national emblem of China, as well as the monument to people's heroes, that's in Tiananmen Square. But they were at odds with the fact that the regime wanted to tear down the old. There was a lot of um, demolition and tearing down of these old structures. While Lin and Liang knew how important it was to preserve old structures and tradition. Um, So... Lean ended up dying of tuberculosis on April 1st, 1955, when she was just 51 years old. Um, her niece, Maya Lean, designed the Vietnam Veterans Memorial in Washington later. And Wilma Fairbank and Lean Ju, who was Leong's second wife, put together a book of their visual and written work called A Pictorial History of Chinese Architecture, which was published in 1984. And there was also a CCTV documentary about the couple's life and their work that came out that is can be watched on YouTube now that goes into detail about the context of the architecture, what it meant for them to do this work that wasn't being done in a lot of ways of preserving and finding Chinese architecture at a time when these international standards and ideals were being spread around the world, but also um, really taking hold in China as well. That is the story of Lin Huiying. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. 
So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. I feel like a lot of times, one, when we do these, we come out and say, this should be like, this should be a mini series. And I think it should be. I think it'd be great. Um, <laughs> but also, I do love when people have these like multifaceted interests because that totally makes sense. And you know, I I feel like a lot of times we mistakenly put what we view as like maybe a more technical thing, like it's not creative, like it isn't related to art or something like that. I did that for a while when I first started and I was editing. I thought I was going to hate it because it's so technical. Mm-hmm. But you can be really creative in how you do something like that. There is creativity in that. And so I love it that we got to see, we got to see that she did those things. She did all of these different things. and. Uh, that you brought that to us because that is a part of how she was creating and how she was thinking. Yeah. And they were all intermingled too because she, you know, her written work was also related to her architectural work and the things that were happening in her life. So it wasn't like they were two distinctly separate things, her writing mm-hmm. and obviously her the stage design that she was learning about on the drama side and then also the buildings. Also, just in general, thinking about architecture as an artistic form, it is all those things that we were just talking about happen in structures and thinking about her being involved in designing a building for a dormitory where students are creating and able to come to these places and learn in the ways that she did is also, I think, pretty like cool to think about. Yeah, and I, before this, when Samantha was having her tough time, <laughs> we were talking about like the the human nature of, you know, struggling over something and wanting to break something. <laughs> I had to take a, a set design class um, and a architecture class. And there were just so many things you have to think about that I was like, of course, of course I should think about that, but I've never had to. And I was so <laughs> annoyed. <laughs> I was like, wait, yeah. I got to get these angles <laughs> right. I got to think about this. I got to think about this. So it is, um, and you're right. Um, it's, it's, fun to think about it in that way that she was creative, but she's also allowing for people to come to spaces to be creative by making these things Mm -hmm. um, and making them well. But also one of my big, the things that I said at the top when I was very excited for you to come and elucidate things um, is that I did get confused because her husband like mm-hmm. in some sources I would read, it made it sound like he did the whole thing. And then some. Yes. So I just got really like, wait, wait. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And that's the importance of, yeah. you know, people who, who were doing the work and writing the history and doing it well and doing it, giving people the accolades they deserve and, and the story, telling the story in a way that it gives them what they deserve. Mm-hmm. Because I really, I got so confused. I was like, wait, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, that in, in some instances, too, it seems like it was a matter of what women could even have be attributed to them. So it was a matter of yeah. what society deemed acceptable. And it mm-hmm. wasn't just um, nefarious neglect of attributing things mm-hmm. to her. It was like, well, we can't say you're a partner <laughs> in this operation. <laughs> you're a woman. Right. <laughs> it's a grievous sin right. to be Whoa. so. So, we, uh-huh. you know, we can't say that, but, you know, she was. <laughs> and I think over time, <laughs> our understanding of that through the discovery and uncovering of their work through people like the Fairbanks and their children and their children's children and, and nieces and things like that, to be able to talk about it and the work of other scholars and researchers to understand how much of a hand Lean actually did have in it, even though her name may have been purposefully left off of documentation and record keeping because of the standards of the day. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think that's being rectified in real time. Yeah, and that's wonderful to see, but it's also kind of fascinating. Like, I wonder if you, you know, have the eye for it, how you can be like, even if her name is not Mm -hmm. on it, you're like, no, she, she was behind this or something like that. But yeah, I also think it's a great reminder of both the importance of context and always wondering about your sources, (laughs) just never taking things for granted. (laughs) Yes, always a good reminder. Yeah. So she now called the mother of architects since we have the father, we should have the mother. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) Do do you think we should do that, Samantha? Should we call her the mother? Something. The parents. Can we just call them the The parents? parents. That's better. Just leave it at that. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. The parents of modern architecture in China. Chinese architecture, yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny, we actually talked about the niece, and because I was like, this name sounds familiar. Mm -hmm. Why am I like, and then I was like, oh, yeah, we briefly mentioned her. (laughs) Yeah. Very briefly. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so she followed in the footsteps. Yeah, and her niece's work is awesome. Like, you start looking at the context and then the love, uh, like, cross-cultural love and activism that they both yeah. uh, shared. It's kind of, it's nice to see. Yeah. That it just keeps going. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that did also add to my confusion, though, because I was like, wait, a lot of people are talking about this niece. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, wait, I'm just trying to get to this story. What's going on? Yeah. But no, it's, it's really cool. Um So thank you, Eves, as always, for uh, illuminating us and bringing this to us um, and just hanging out. It's always a delight to see you. (laughs) You're welcome. Yes. Always good to be here. (laughs) Yes. Um, I look forward to next time. But in the meantime, where can the good listeners find you? You can find me on Instagram at not apologizing. You can also just go to my website, which is evesjeffcoat.com. That's spelled Y-V-E-S-J-E-F-F-C-O-A-T. Dot com and you can get to all the other things from there. You can also hear me on many previous episodes of Sminty on Female First, talking about other women in history who had long and storied lives. Yes. Well, I hope you get your nap and you have your Friday. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Or we're in, in your corner. <laughs> um, 
And listeners, if you'd like to contact us, you can. Our email is stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Most Stuff Podcast or on Instagram and TikTok at Stuff I've Never Told You. We have a tea Public store and we have a book. You can get it at stuffyoushouldreadbooks.com. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina, our executive producer, Maya, and our contributor, Joey. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com.